hi everybody it's kathleen here and i'm with orlo connor uh, the very famous cork endometriosis advocate you know uh, one end of the country to the other and um one thing we're going to have a quick chat about this evening is sort of the role of advocacy at the moment in ireland and how you know we're getting quite a lot of questions in around the cross-border directive and one of the hot topics recently was again around misinformation um, of endometriosis and how that sort of impacts on the community and how that impacts on the work that advocates do. And we're just going to keep it very light um, and, you know, it's hopefully sort of stimulate a wee bit of conversation around this. Um, on the cross-border side, we will have an expert with us in October and we're going to bring that, um, you know, to everybody and we're going to have everybody's questions answered. So I suppose, Orla, you probably deal with a lot more of the cross-border questions than I do because you've, you know, direct um, experience of it. So what are you seeing yeah. sort of coming through at the minute? So I think a lot of the the big one that I had very recently was um, how, well, there was one, first it's like the referrals. So they thought that it had to be consultant um, and then they weren't understanding that, you know, if you contact a specialist directly, uh, um, I mean, I have dealings with Dr. Mitroy, but um, any um, one that they referred themselves, like self-referred to, they didn't need the referral for. So they were confused as to why they'd need a referral um, with the cross-border. And then it's different from the um, travel abroad screen, which is, you know, it's a lot more strict um, that they need a consultant consultation for that. But with the cross-border directive, it's just the GP referral. Um, or consultant and most of the time women you know choose the GP because they're they know their GP longer or their GPs um, they just have a better experience with them and it's easier to get the referral from the GPs Um, the other one that is quite big is can they use two codes um, with reimbursement and you can't you can't that's that information I think is actually at the moment not available on the cross-border directive website and um, but if you contact them directly they'll let you know there's you can't use there's that one standard code that they use for endometriosis excision surgery um and that's the only one that that i've ever known to be used um i'm open to correction there but as far as i know they use that one standard standardized code the n08z whatever it is that they use for endometriosis surgery um, and then there's always different questions around that. Like, I mean, I'd be surprised sometimes and I ask and I'm like, oh, actually, I don't know. So at the moment, just because we don't have someone from their office at the moment, I keep referring people back there um, so I can give them the basics. There's a lot of information on their website, an awful lot. Um, so it's, you know, going through that is hard to even filter through that information, to process it and then to keep it in your head and make that plan to say, oh my gosh, you know, it feels like a lot that they're asking you for, but it, you know, in all honesty, the the actual paperwork is quite easy to fill out. It's your personal details, you know, it's your medical information, um, it's you know, and then after that, it goes to the to the surgeon. As far as I'm aware, at the moment, uh, the last couple of few women who've gone there, Manuela, you know, Dr. Mitroy's team, and anyone who's traveled to the BEC quite recently, they have, they know how to fill out the paperwork now. So they kind of have a ready for patients after surgery. So they have it filled out. Everything's done. I've asked people to please bring it with you to the consultation, whether you go for pre-authorization first for just a consult and an MRI and come home, but always bring the paperwork with you to the surgeon so you can fill it out together. So you're both understanding how to fill it out, a prop, you know, properly. Um, 
but you know, from like, I'm only speaking about Dr. Mitchell because that's the only experience that I have, but he always uses that code and he knows how to fill out those forms. He's done hundreds of them. Um, so at this point, I think they have a clearer, um, you know, they know how to fill them out now at this point as well, you know, from that end also. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And because I think that's one of the things that I'm seeing as well is women are going with very complex um, cases and yeah. may require different things. And that's something that I think we should clarify as well with the cross-border team, like how that works, yeah. If even though it fall, falls under the umbrella of endometriosis, if it's on another organ or if it's in a particular area, like is there a different way of doing that? So that's a good sort of question to bring up for them as well. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm sort of learning from that as well is that it's very important to keep your receipts for everything. Um, because yeah. I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize as well as the cross-border directive, if you pay tax or you're, you know, have a partner that's paying tax and you're under their tax code, you can actually put those expenses in um, under your um, health expenses at the end of the year. And that includes yeah, uh, some it, yeah. travel as well. Like, so that's quite handy too for people. If you keep all your receipts um it's no harm in, in sort of, you know, having more documentation than what you need. And often like a quick snap of the phone for certain things is even enough, you know, as well. Yeah. Too. And a lot of the girls who just went, what they were doing, I think, was you use kind of Bolt there, which is like Uber. So for any of their traveling, wherever they went, they were able to print out, you know, a full invoice of their receipts from where they traveled, yeah. which I didn't know when I went. But now they're saying that you can print that. So when they're getting home. They're printing that, you know, those invoices and receipts from Bolt and, and proving that they travel from the hospital to their accommodation, the accommodation to their MRI, to their. So they've definitely um, the girls have uh, <laughs> gotten better that way because I wouldn't <laughs> have been aware of that. You know, so they have. So there's great tips from from them, you know, that have gone recently. I mean, mine is so long ago at this point, I suppose, you know, two years. I, it doesn't sound like a long time, but a lot of things seem to have changed even even in Romania itself, I suppose, that you can, um, you know, mm -hmm. that you can do that kind of stuff as well. And they've upgraded those systems, which is very handy because I know and I and I do think that's why maybe even people are getting reimbursed faster now is because they can prove that those travel trips as well, that they actually did that from here to there and here to there, you know? Yeah. So definitely, yeah. That's it. And that's, isn't that the beauty of the whole thing as well, that we're learning from each other and we're learning yeah. from everybody else's experiences, you know, which I think is really, really good. And that's one of the strongest things, I think, within the endometriosis community is that we're very willing to share that and share those experiences with other people. Yeah. And like certainly, you know, I know I wouldn't be where I am without learning from the likes of Heather Guidone and Nancy Peterson. And certainly there's people at the opposite end now who are just starting on that journey. And we hope that, you know, yeah. they'll sort of learn from from the likes of us as well, like and all the people who've traveled recently, like, you know. Um, yeah. That's one of the, the, you know, the ones that I'm really looking forward to, like, is is trying to get that session pinned down. Unfortunately, like um, a lot of people were sort of tied into one thing and another. But I hope like we'll have um, the cross-border directive expert with us, you know, in October yeah. and get all the questions, give her all the sort of hot topics that we have for her as well. And, I yeah, suppose and that's helpful for them, too, you know, because, it you know, it even makes their job easier of how organized a patient is and, and has everything that they need so that their job is easier on their end. And then everybody's job works quicker, you know, to get reimbursed for their job on their side. Um, You know, they're I mean, they're overworked and understaffed as well. So it's you know, it makes their job easier to just say, OK, that's their checklist, checklist, you know, mm -hmm. and everything everybody's doing it you know, yeah. properly. 
I know yeah. certainly when I was chatting to them, they were saying that they're obviously they're not just dealing with endometriosis patients. They're dealing with yeah. all patients all around the country and different languages yeah. in different countries and different standards of forms coming in from different patients in different countries. And, you know, so it seems to be a real heavy sort of workload, you know. But I think yeah. the fact that it's been used a lot more to, you know, will show that there's a need there for it that may improve the service like through time, you know. Um, oh, big time, yeah. But yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, I think another one that we might actually start looking at as well at some stage, if we can get somebody on that, is the treatment abroad scheme, which is a lot harder yeah. to get approval for. But yeah. I think, again, you know, we have had some women who've been able to travel using that. Um, and I think okay. it's, you know, it's a case by case basis. But that's something, again, that I think might be beneficial for people, you know. Yeah, definitely. Mm hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, like filling out the form and all the paperwork and all like that, is it still very manual or is there an online submission or is it still fill out the form on paper and send it in? No, it's still, yeah, it's still fill out the form, bring them with it, you know, all of that. You still have to, I suppose, because you have to get it stamped, you have to, you know, you're bringing it. Yeah, there's no way <laughs> that would be handy. <laughs> I suppose even from the doctor's side as well to just email it mm -hmm. and say, I don't have to you know, do that. The only thing I wonder about if it ends up digital is that will forms be missed? Um, and, you know, then you're attaching documentation, whereas, I mean, I'm old school that I like the paper <laughs> to say, <laughs> yeah, that's all there. Here's the folder. I'm going to send all that off and I know what's in there. Whereas digitally, I don't know if I mean, yeah, but will that get lost in other countries? You know, it's like mm -hmm. if they if they make that digital, it's like, are they going to say, oh, I'll fill that out, um, you know, straight after a patient's surgery, which is what they're doing at the moment because it's on paper. I wonder if things would get missed just with it being digital. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it'd be easier um, to miss That would be it. my concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could see where that, that could be missed, all right? And I think as well, too, if you have your Polly Pocket, your folder with all your bits and pieces yeah. in it, it's nearly easier, isn't it, too? Because you know where you it are is. then, you know, you can keep an eye yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's that's a good sort of tip for people and get a nice fancy coloured folder and, you know, exactly. use a Mr. Price like or bright something. pink folder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bring this and put everything in there. It's the yeah. only, way, only way to do it, like, you know, because I know when I travelled yeah, for my really. surgery, it was the same, like every single receipt, like, was going into it, like, no matter yeah. what, like, and... You know, yeah. I suppose you just get into the habit of it as well. Like, you know, you really do. But um, but no, look, look forward to that conversation. And look, I think, you know, definitely it's one of those things, too, that, you know, and we've we've chatted before about the likes of advocacy work and the likes of supporting patients and all that. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is where a lot of the work that we're sort of doing in the background is being repeated over and over, you know, and I think if we could put it into a collective resource get that conversation out there then more people can access that and that sort of helps people when maybe we're not available or we're not online or things like that as yeah, well yeah certainly yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah make it easier like you know and I suppose one of the things that's come up during the week for me and uh, you know I want to sort of get your thinking on it I am um, I've been speaking to a few people and they've been sort of wondering about you know the sort of upset that's caused when the definition of endometriosis is wrong and this has come from healthcare professionals I've been chatting to about a, a different project. And, you know, also from people who may have seen there's a there has been a video online and there has been a, another organization which has shared something, you know, this week with regards to um the definition of endometriosis and all that. And like I know I have my very own definite feelings as to why we should have a very accurate definition out there and why that's important. But I suppose how have you seen that over the last couple of years? Have you seen where the importance of that maybe 
lost or do you think it still is important that people understand the difference in the definition? I think they really do need to understand the definition. And when you see it in particular, like you've mentioned that group and, you know, medical professionals aren't getting that information right, because it isn't just about your period and it isn't just then and it isn't just when you're ovulating. You know, there's like even for myself, there was seven days of the month where I was okay. That's it. So for the rest of the time of my life for years, it's like and you're the same as well, like, you know, that that just shows that it isn't just to do with your period or retrograde menstruation or all those things are incredibly important because we have to, you know, and and everybody has to realize that it isn't just a menstrual disease or a gynecological disease. It's for your it's your entire body and it's systemic, you know, Um. Yeah, it is incredibly important. And and that does come about, you know, there's always times in the year, <laughs> uh, particularly around like end of awareness month where that is, you know, we're exhausted by the end of March because you're constantly fighting that over and over again. And even I don't even know if people are doing it in the best interest sometimes to raise awareness. But if you can't do it right, then you're just it's just a backward step. And like so many advocates have fought that for so long, yourself in particular for decades, you know, Heather too, so many. And it's so, so important to do that. And I don't think that the medical community or even the world or the population can understand it completely if we still treat it as like this stigmatized, um, hidden, you know, around your period uh, disease, because nobody wants to talk about that. Even women don't want to talk about that. We know that even from menopause, from periods, older generations, younger generations, you know, teenagers, I don't know if they talk, I don't, you know, I don't know if they discuss that with their friends. They don't seem to. It's still not something they talk about. Um, You know, so yeah, it's incredibly important. And if you have huge organizations, what happens then you know, promoting that and and getting the definition wrong, then how are we going to do the right research or how is that going to be funded into the right research to find out the cause of endometriosis at the end of it all? You know, like we're we're never going to find that if you keep defining it and doing silly research, you know, that puts, you know, (laughs) endometrium in rats, like, you know, stuff like that. That's those are the those are the research projects that you'll keep getting because, uh, we have the definition wrong, you know, well, yeah. we don't have the definition wrong, but I mean, you know, the rest of the, you know, people <laughs> do, you know, and that's, that's the problem, you know, and it I is know. important. It's very important. It is. And I think for, for me, you know, certainly like, I know like uh, some of the early research that I would have done and, and, you know, it was all the papers where it was endometriosis was the same as the endometrium and you know it behaved in the same way and then we learned and we had to shift our thinking very quickly and start adapting around that but one of the very early things I found around that was and it scared me that women were making treatment decisions based on this and that was the information they were getting from their clinicians so clinicians were believing that you know the uterus was the source of endometriosis so it's quite logical to think oh well if that's the source of endometriosis let's take it out you know, mm. and like we know now that, you know, we've had women who've had their uterus and their ovaries removed in their, you know, mid 20s to, you know, sort of mid 30s, taken out in the mm-hmm. absolute prime of their life, putting them into, you know, very early menopause, putting them into a lifetime of a lot more suffering because they now have endometriosis. They may not have gynecological organs and they go from general surgery back to gynecology, back to general, and nobody wants them. They're in this medical waste ground where, they're completely lost, you know, 
And I think that's one of the things that sort of certainly in the conversation I've had this week around this was that, you know, if treatment decisions are based on misinformation, there's very, very little way back from that, you know, and, you know, be that around prescribing somebody pregnancy or be that around prescribing somebody a hysterectomy or a nephrectomy, you know, and all of those things have their place in other parts in our lives. Um, but certainly where you have that situation where somebody's led to believe that the uterus is gone, your disease is gone. And, you know, it is a, it is a straight and logical thinking like that for, you know, a lot of the information yeah. that's out there. And that needs to change. Um, and again, too, like you say, a lot of the research that's been done, like we're if we're looking at the wrong thing. We're just wasting money and time and effort and people's hopes as well. Yeah you know yeah and it's people's lives you know and 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 you're just you know and there still is that thinking in ireland that a hysterectomy you know pe women believe that like mm -hmm. they still believe you know if i remove my uterus everything will be okay and my ovaries mm -hmm. but they're also you know then they're not informed about what happens after that it's like oh it's just the menopause but that's that's you know that's a whole other minefield and mm -hmm. not even just that but then you know you you have osteoporosis you have cardiovascular diseases you know you have all of that accompanying that and even you know they're not even aware of those issues after you have a hysterectomy you know yeah. um and then should your ovaries be removed if they're healthy you know so you don't go into menopause like all of those things it's like you know in ireland you know they're still performing total hysterectomies and oophorectomies at the same time you know it's not mm -hmm. just oh if your ovaries are healthy healthy keep them you know it's like no no if we're going to take everything just take it all you know and then you know have you told them how they're supposed to manage menopause after that like that you immediately go into it it hasn't been a natural mm -hmm. progression into that that you're immediately smacked smack bang into menopause you know and how are you supposed to cope with that and then there's no care for that you know mm -hmm. or there's no information about that so mm -hmm. that's you know and then that's the other part of your life you know that you still are going to live through you know another 30 40 however many years um some women much longer if they're having them earlier in their life mm -hmm. uh, and it's still they're still not um living the best quality of their lives that's you know absolutely and i think there's a huge fear of treating um, women who've had or have endometriosis you know after the menopause as well there's a lot of yeah. fear around the use of hrt and appropriate use of hrt and again it's a lot of trial and error it's a very individual disease and you know what might work for you might not work for me and you know it does yeah. take a wee bit of trial and error and working with a good gp or good gynecologist or a good menopause specialist but certainly around you know the treatments I think it boils down to informed consent as well, doesn't it? It may, you know, you yeah. can't, a hysterectomy may be the best decision. Like, you know, for me, it was the best decision because yeah. I got rid of like adenomyosis, fibroids, a septum and all other yeah, same. You know, yeah, weird yeah. wonderful things, you know. But the blanket thing that I was told when I was like, I think it was probably about 17 or 18 was like, well, you need to get pregnant. And then whenever you're done having children, you can have a hysterectomy and have your ovaries removed and just get it all cleared out. And I was like, oh, that sounds a bit simple. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think again, too, like, I think we're starting to see the shift in the narrative in menopause here. And, you know, I suppose yes. all we can do is keep pushing and hoping that somebody somewhere, you know, picks up the right information, that it sticks and that we can, you know, and trust the younger people that are coming behind us, you know, with this accurate information and that they can run with it because 
we've certainly battled over the last number of years to try and make sure that it's out there. Um, and all it takes sometimes is one very bad media article or one particular TV show or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, it's sort of heartbreaking because you sort of think, oh, this is like decades of of sort of fighting against this and decades of correcting posts on social media. Um, but then you sort of think you might get an email or a message in that night and somebody's, you know, done their reading. They've had a wee bit of a think about some of the things you said to them and they've accessed good, positive treatment for them. That might be surgery. It may be that they've had the marina fitted or it may be whatever treatment path they choose. But, you know, again, I think when we're given all the information, we can make those sort of choices. But, yeah, I think it, it all starts with um, accurate information. And, you know, that's oh, one of my definitely. biggest, biggest bugbears, isn't it? Misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the biggest headache all the time, you know, yes. and we're, you know, I suppose there's more people now like we've seen it, too, you know, even in Ireland, I suppose, like, I think the Irish endometriosis voice hasn't been so loud before, mm-hmm. but I do feel like I really feel this since like probably the last endo march that we were at. Like since then, I feel like the the advocates and their voices are getting louder for yeah. Ireland and bigger, you know, and I think that they know so much more um, and they really are educating themselves like they're finding the right resources and they're really pushing for themselves, even if they can't get to the right treatment right now. They know what they have to do and they know what their plan should be. And they're just managing at the moment, but eventually they'll get there. Yeah. And that's and they're stronger to do that. They're empowered to say stuff to their gynecologist or their GPs and to push for that mm-hmm. and to say, no, this isn't working for me. I want to try this instead. Um, I want to try different management and they still know that they're just managing them. I think that's the biggest thing is that they know yeah. that they that they won't be OK, but that if they can manage for a while till they can get to the right treatment. And that's impressive. Like that's mm-hmm. that's amazing that they've done that. And I feel like the Irish group of those people are getting bigger, you know, and yeah. you see the younger women definitely um that that's happening for and they Mm -hmm. they know the red flags already like I was just talking to a girl yesterday in college and she's 20 and um like I've talked to her for a while but she knows what she has to do she can't get there yet but she will you know and she she knows the red flags like she told me loads of stuff and I was like oh you spotted it yourself you know whereas before she kind of would have checked but now she knows what she has to do Mm -hmm. um so I I think I do think that's changing you know which is great Oh, it's unbelievable because, uh, you know, I think back to the very first endo march and I had polled all the followers at the time and I was like, do you, do you want a physical march? Will we have an event? And it was an overwhelming, I think it was like 90 odd percent, I think it come back and went, absolutely not. We will not be seen in public. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we can we do something else? So it was combined with an info day at the time, which was totally perfect and totally understandable. But now there's an appetite for the likes of the end of March and we have our date for next year, which is the 24th of March. Um, yeah. And that coincides with the worldwide one, which is great. And, you know, to see people coming out and having the crack and chatting to other people, like it's so important, but like, you know, to see that progression in the last number of years in particular, where women are not just taking the information, they're taking the information, they're sharing it. They're taking the information, they're using it. They're taking the information and then you can see them in public forum as well to pass on that information mm. on to other people. And like, I feel like a proud mommy of 200,000 yeah. women, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sort of like, do, yeah. 
Thanks. You yeah. Know? But um, but no, I think, uh, and, you know, and speaking to a few people this week on, on different things like around endometriosis, that is one of the things I think people underestimate that if you do a piece in the paper or you do a piece online or you do a piece in on the radio or TV, whatever it happens to be, um, the impact that that has is amazing because the person sitting watching it or listening to it in the background, you know, they might not do anything with that information there and then. But like I've had people come back to me and say, oh, I read such a person's story in the Irish Independent. Now, it must have been about five or six years ago, but I remember that story. And I think that's what my niece has or my sister has or whatever. And you're like, Mm -hmm. it actually does get through. Or they'll think, oh, hang on a minute. I remember hearing you on the radio chat. You were chatting about periods again. I don't know. I think my neighbor's <laughs> daughter might have something, you know, and it's funny. It's yeah. it does have a way of thinking into people. You think maybe sometimes you're screaming into the void. But uh, yeah, there's a huge yeah. shift in the last probably 10 years or so. But definitely in the last three mm. to four years, I think it's it's been great, you know. Um, yeah. and people are very good at sharing the stories and very, you know, very open in that. And I, I think that's that's positive. But again, I always have to temper that with if you don't have the accurate information. Yeah defer to somebody else you know um and I think you know like while we can like you know you and I have you know maybe quite overlapping experiences or very different experiences in certain things Mm -hmm. but you know I would always temper anything that I have and sort of say well look you know if I don't know what the answer is to that I'll ask somebody who does or I can find out you know yeah same yeah Yeah. exactly and it's it's I suppose it's knowing that as well in the background too isn't it like but well you know yeah. we you know yeah sure I have your head wrecked like but I'd always be like oh no I can't do anything about that until I check with Kathleen you know because I still like I'm still learning as well and like I only had my surgery two years ago and even though I was researching prior to that and you know I've you know I've talked to you and, and Amy for years but uh like I'm still learning and there's still so much to learn about it. And then you'd see something else new. And, you know, we talk to advocates across the world. So, you you know, you learn more information off mm-hmm. of them. And then you're trying to apply that to Ireland, which is very difficult, as we know, because we don't have resources and we don't have anybody here. So we must reach further. You know, for us, we have to reach further for information or for data or for research. And, you know, so, it, you know, we don't have the data for Ireland, but um. Yeah, I'd always be checking in and then double checking that again and then check with somebody else. And you're like, you know, you have to do all that work before I actually share something and Mm -hmm. just make sure that it's right, you know, because because you just never know. And if I have ever missed, you know, done misinformation and everything, I totally take that on board by saying, oh, my gosh, I was wrong Mm -hmm. and let's fix this. And this is how, you know, this is the actual information. Um, I don't think I've done that yet. (laughs) But uh, I'll be I, I'll be chasing you down. I'm gonna go back you, over your you'll boats tell now. Me first, I know. <laughs> I'll be like, no, no, I don't know what I'm talking about. Excuse yeah. me, Miss uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be like, oh crap, what I do? Yeah. So you know, but like, Which... yeah, that's important too, and mm. to know that, like, for me anyway, to know that you know, I'm not always right. I don't always have all the information, like you said, to defer to somebody else, and that's mm. advocates supporting each other too. Yeah. To yeah. say we must check with each other. Um. Mm to give the right information and that we all work together as well you know yeah. uh, for everybody you know I think I think isn't that one of the really fortunate things that we have you know we have a very strong advocate community and I know we get criticized we get slagged off we get pulled apart yeah. by certain areas and that's fair enough people people are entitled to do that that's okay um but doing it without understanding the community I think is 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 difficult because you know 
we faced enough sort of adversity and enough issues to get to the point where we're at. Most of us have gone through multiple surgeries, gone through a lot of trauma. We've got a lot of history behind us. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that we are a very tight knit community. We do talk and most of us talk every day, if not to at least two or three other advocates, or at least to a group, you know, um, and I think that's where, you know, certainly key figures in the whole community have pulled a lot of that together over the years. Like the mm. likes of Nancy and, he and Heather and that. And, yeah. you know, it's I think that's what's kept a lot of people going, a lot of people seeing as well, too. And it always means that you can check in with what's going on. You can sort of see, you know, what's happening in the world. And, you know, we've got now like the likes of um, Sally and Dr. Andrea Vidali's yeah. um, endometriosis summit, like what you wouldn't have given for that a few years ago it's amazing it's mm. absolutely amazing and you know like i've joined the virtual sessions and i hope at some day that i might be able to get over to them and um, you know we could should do the euro millions or something if every week yeah. to see can we get there we'll have everybody surgery <laughs> paid for i know <laughs> we'll just go oh, stuff wouldn't it be great but um yeah. but something like that then is brilliant and like again accessible for people if they want to learn that wee bit more do you know because yeah. look like so, like you know bladder endometriosis is not for everybody and thoracic endometriosis is not for everybody yeah but there are some really good good topics you know that they're presented again like around oh it's amazing aspects, it's like, like oh yeah and it's everything like from across the world like there's so many amazing mm -hmm. people there so if you are i mean i know what yeah like you said it's not for everybody um but you could learn so much at yeah. that it's it's incredible and it's so <laughs> worth it like i can't even remember the price on it but it's not crazy and it's so it's no. just so worth it like mm -hmm. i remember listening back to recordings and you know you could watch them like I watched them a couple of times, some of them like, you know, it's it's incredible. It's mm -hmm. like definitely. And you're getting that straight from specialists and yeah. and advocates. And, you know, it's it is it's incredible. No, it's very good. And what's nice about it as well, too, is because it's, you know, very independently driven as well, too. Yeah. Um, and again, coming from a, a real strong point of advocacy, advocacy, Sally's amazing. Um, you know, there's Jeez. no doubt about it. She is so driven. And, you know, she's pulled together a great team around her, like, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking forward to that one now in um, March as well next year. I think it's March, the 8th, yeah. 7th, 8th of March around that time. So, but yeah. yeah, I'll be sharing that out again anyway. Like, you know, that's something to look forward to. Really yeah, I'm like, like you know? yeah, that's such a positive thing. You know what I mean? It's like so positive. I'm like, yes, like cheerlead for that. I know. Because it's incredible. Like, you know, this and I think it's just because, yeah, we don't have that in our, do you know what I mean? We yeah. don't have we don't have anybody to do that for us. So when you see those things, those like super positive, informative, knowledgeable things with mm -hmm. a you know, bunch of heroes, really, you're just like, oh yeah, you know, grab that information, grab yeah. what's that, what's from that. And that, you know, that keeps us going as well to say, okay, we can do more work for this and there's more we can learn and there's more we can do for people, um, you know, for the future, for you know, mostly because the people now just need to be treated and, and yeah. we can only do what we can give them t the tools to do that for now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, sure. The hope would be to to do something like that eventually. But I know it's time to resurrect the yeah <laughs> uh, the summits, like you know, for this side, like you know that. Or it, oh, would, it would be stop. great to do something like that again. It really would. Yeah. Um, and I think there's there is a huge gap for it as well. Um, and I think too, from you know a clinical point of view, it'd be nice to see some you know clinical engagement. You know. Um, with oh, patients yeah. as well and not on a fearful side where they can learn from us and they can learn from the group as well too like you know so there's always always yeah. space for that oh definitely mm -hmm. yeah and patient involvement and advocacy involvement you know all of that like all yeah. of that needs to be it needs to be community involvement 
you know, and PPI, like we've spoken about that before and, Mm -hmm. you know, all clinicians and GPs and, you know, primary care levels, you know, and and all of them at all levels, you know, um, that's, you know, that would be your hope to, because that's the only way you can move forward or for some, for everybody to fully understand each other, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's the only way we can do that, I think, you know. And that's it. And I suppose just to, to wrap up the conversation, it's back to that sort of one line, isn't it? That it's like nothing yeah. about us without us. And I think yeah. endometriosis is one of those things where really that should be the case because, again, so misunderstood, so much misinformation and use the skills and the tools of the people that are there. Um, I think that's very important, you know. So, very important yeah sorry. definitely Orla thanks for chatting to me like you know that sort of way and oh. uh, sure, look, we'll be back chatting again soon about the cross-border directive in more yep. detail and right, thanks um, for having me we'll have loads of questions I'm sure by then thank we you very did. much thank you all right Kathleen thanks